When we come to what today's subject matter is actually about, you'll have a wry smile when you look around. Um, it's, we're talking about exponential multiplication as we feel like we're retracting. Uh, but Lord, thank you that you're in charge. It was so lovely to hear the prayers of your people. And I imagine online it's the same sentiment. We acknowledge that you are Alpha and Omega. You're sovereign. We don't see what's coming tomorrow, but you do. And we have a very clear calling to be faithful stewards of the gospel. And that's our heart. We pray that this pulpit, whoever speaks from it and reads from it and prays from it and shares from it for the Sundays of this year, would do it to point all the glory to you, Lord God, and your son, Jesus. And may the Spirit guide us as we do that. And so now as we open up your word for the first time, Lord, may you speak to us powerfully and encourage us, convict us, challenge us, lead us on to become the people you want us to be. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Are you familiar with the phrase, are naught by now? Not really, isn't that interesting? Are naught is a mathematical indicator for how contagious an infectious disease is. We're slow on the uptake. R-naught is the problem with something like coronavirus. It tells us, it indicates to us how likely it is if you are infected with a particular disease to give it away to someone else. The battle our world has had in fighting the various versions of coronavirus has brought to the fore the power of exponential multiplication, don't you think? Addition is one thing, but exponential multiplication, the graph goes like that, doesn't it? I want to suggest to you today, and for me, as I ponder this, the kingdom of God is one of abundant exponential multiplication. That's the way it works. When God breathes, things happen in a big way. The kingdom of God is about abundant exponential multiplication. And that's the name of the series that we're going to start today for the next four weeks. Exponential. How is the kingdom of God exponential? And that will lead us into our theme for the year, which is multiply. Which again, I find is funny. It's, a, it's something we say with faith. We've had these four words over the last nearly 1,000 days as we launched ministry in the new ministry centre. We, we had a word together, gathering the tribes. Together in action last year was love in action. Together in action on mission and multiplying. So we're going to sit in this word this year, multiply, and see what the Lord brings to us as a revelation. Peter, 1 Peter 4.10 says, and, and Steph read to us in verse 10, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Each of you should use whatever gift has been given you to serve others as faithful stewards, as faithful stewards. So it raises an important question in this text. What does it mean to be a faithful steward? Who wants to be faithful? 
It is a uh, rhetorical question. I'm looking for every hand in the room. We want to be found faithful. Some years ago in 2001, and for you who've been in the church for a bit, I've told this story before, but I want to tell you it again because it gives the glory to God. In 2001, we were part of a church. We'd been there for about six years. And there was an exciting season we were going through. We had sold the old church building, an old dilapidated building, a bit like our red building. And we had bought this old factory, not a beautiful building like this, but we bought this old factory. And the vision of the church was to refurbish this, turned into a church and a ministry centre, community centre and a sports centre. And So we were filled with excitement and enthusiasm and vision. And, And so we asked the church could we give sacrificially to launch this thing? There are about 70 of us in the church. So it was an elderly, uh, relatively small group of people. And we we raised about $250,000 in sacrificial giving. So on top of normal offerings. Now, that church was stewarding as faithful stewards of the kingdom, of the gospel, about $2,000 a week. And they had been, I remember seeing a graph, for the last 10 years. So from 91 to 2001, it was about $2,000 a week. That was the, the, the stewardship management of money that that church was given by God to look after for his kingdom. And uh, so over 10 years, how much does that mean that that church was stewarding for the kingdom, roughly speaking? One million dollars. It's about a hundred thousand. Fifty weeks times two is a hundred thousand, and then a million dollars over ten years. So we had this sacrificial giving. We're launching the vision. We're about to go in and refurbish this big factory. And so Leanne and I, we had four kids, or three kids actually at the time, and we're thinking, what could we give? Now we hadn't bought any property at that stage. If you own property in Sydney, good for you. Uh, It's gone up a lot in the last year alone. But if you don't own property, money doesn't sort of roll in in your capital, in your equity as quickly, anywhere near as quickly. So it tends to be you save slowly. And we'd saved up $10,000. We didn't, it, it wasn't just a number on the, on the page that said, oh, capital, you've made 10 grand today because the house price has gone up. It took us a long time to save that money. And we said, you know what, we're in, boots and all. So we gave $10,000. I'm not trying to boast, it's all going to give glory to God in a minute. Um, but we gave $10,000. It was a lot for us um, at the beginning of 2001. And it was part of this 250000 And lots of other people gave very generously as well. When I looked back, when I looked back, I added up from 2001 to 2011 how much money that church did end up stewarding. If it had maintained, it would have been how much? A million dollars. They would have stewarded, hopefully faithfully, for the kingdom of God, for the gospel. A lot of churches don't stay the same, don't they? They, they, they go down. So to actually maintain $1 million stewardship over 10 years, that would be doing pretty well. You know what happened? We ended up stewarding $6.2 million in the 10 years. So if you took off $1 million off the 6.2, you would get the extra that God gave us to steward on top of what would have been maintenance? Now, I said before, the 10 years before, $2,000 a week, $1 million. Could have easily stayed the same or gone down. It didn't. It was 6.2 minus a million is 5.2 million. Are you following me? If, if you're good at maths, you've probably done the maths already. 
How many weeks in 10 years, approximately? 50 weeks a year? 500 weeks. So you divide 5.2 million by 500, roughly. Isn't that funny? You get this weird figure of $10,000. And I have been encouraged for the last few years as I did the maths on this while we were here. And I've told you about it before. We put $10,000 in at the start and we thought we were being so generous. And God went, I'll see you $10,000 and I'll, and, and, and I'll give 500 weeks. I'll match it for 500 weeks. Isn't that amazing? And I've watched that church because we've left the church. But for the next 10 years, they kept on managing that sort of money. So they would have managed for 1,000 weeks the $10,000 extra that we gave. It is an abundant, exciting, exponential growing kingdom. Amen? And yet there are seasons that don't feel anything like that. And we'll get to that. The potential is unbelievable. When the missionaries, the Western missionaries in the mid-20th century left China, they thought it would be all be over. A couple of decades later when they went back, the place went exponential in its growth. The church went underground. The seed seemed to die. Boom. The kingdom of God is exponential in its growth when the Spirit of God breathes on the church. Amen. Think about what happens in the Bible. Bread can spread. Oil can multiply. Stuart will be preaching on that next week. Fish can multiply. Salvation can multiply. 1 Peter 4.10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Peter's not just talking about money. It could be money. I gave you an illustration that was about money, but it was, that was so much more than money. It was people giving of themselves, giving of the blessings that God had given to them. That was not just about people giving money, that story. And it never is. It's about our resources, our experiences, the pain we have lived through. God wants to use it to bless others. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 4. We just heard of Peter. Paul says something similar. He says, Let a person so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. That's a good line, isn't it? Stewards of the mysteries of God. That's what we are. That's the mystery of God there. We are stewards of the story of the gospel. Stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found what? Faithful. So we have been given the gospel at Northern Life. We've been given blessings and resources along with that so that we can do good Good that has been prepared in advance for us to do, Ephesians 2. And we're called to be faithful stewards. To be a steward is to have been entrusted with something of worth from someone else, isn't it? That's what stewardship is. They've given us something of worth and said, look after that. Steward it for me. So Paul says, stewards are required to be found faithful Paul could have said, stewards are called to be found lots of good things. Joyful, strong in the Lord, biblically literate, loving, righteous. Paul said, stewards are to be found 
faithful. So what does he mean by faithful? Well, we could make a big list easily, couldn't we? One word description of faithful. Look at these words. See if you think they would be on your list. Steadfast. Consistent, dependable, reliable, loyal, true, trustworthy, devoted, resolute, obedient. Are they all fair words for faithful? I hope we can all be challenged by this word because we find it in the text that we're finally going to land in, Matthew 25, where the one word descriptor of the word faithful is to multiply. How does that sit with you? Faithful equals multiply. Matthew 25, verse 14. If you have a Bible, take the time to find it. Like I'd love you to have the text in front of you. version is a fantastic place to find any ver- versions of the Bible that you want. Matthew 25. Now, when we get to Matthew 25, has anyone noticed it's not sort of a laugh a minute? There aren't any sort of little jokes like log eye or something. You know, that's earlier in Matthew. But by Matthew 25, Jesus is starting to really hone in on the final consummation of all things. His cross, also the second coming, the return of Christ. It's pretty serious. And um, he tells this parable in Matthew 25. Verse 14, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. He says again because he's been talking about the end times, Matthew 25 and before, the final consummation of the kingdom of God. Again, he says, a man, this man has got to represent Jesus He goes on a journey. Many translations say a long journey because the Greek word here is abroad. A man goes abroad. So there's this sense of it's a long journey to another country. And this man, who must be Jesus, has entrusted his servants, that's his followers, that's us, with wealth, which won't be micromanaged, which sort of breaks down a bit because we have the Holy Spirit now. We know that. But in this parable, we're being told that Someone who has that of worth entrusts it to servants and then goes away a long distance and he's not there to micromanage what they do with this wealth. He's away for a long time. It's been over 2,000 years. Before his return. And he's expecting that something will be done faithfully with the wealth. Verse 15. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. It's an interesting line, isn't it? Then he went on his long journey. From what we understand about first century life, it would seem that a talent of gold is about 30 kilograms of gold. Now, you, history buffs could probably tell me there are places in the world that gold didn't cost much. It wasn't very... Uh, worth much, but there aren't too many places like that. 30 kilograms of gold, would you agree, is a lot of wealth, no matter what time in history you lived in. So that's the sense that we're trying to, that, that Jesus is giving us. This entrustment is of great worth. The parable says gold, but rarely have you noticed, rarely in Jesus' parables does he actually use the exact representation 
of what he's being discussed. He uses wheat for godly people, tares for evil people, seeds for words, thorns for the cares of life, the harvest for the end of the world, reapers for angels. There's lots of different ideas. So yes, this could refer to wealth, but it's probably more so spiritual giftedness and the gospel itself is what has been entrusted to us. So verse 16, the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Are you familiar with this parable? So the first guy, five times two equals ten. Second servant, Male or female, two times two equals four. Third servant, one remains one. Once again, we're told in the story this emphasis on after a long time. After a long time, verse 19, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five, Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. How did the master reply to the servant? His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. So what's his, his reward? Well done, faithful servant. The man with two bags of gold also came, Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. And what's the master's reply? It's exactly the same as the first reply. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. In essence, well done, good and faithful servant. Are you noticing something quite profound? The master says... Well done, you have been faithful. But what did they do? They multiplied what they were given. There's nothing else that is accredited to them. They just multiplied what was given. He doesn't say, you were steadfast, dependable, loyal, devoted, truthful, or any other one-word definition of faithful. How about the second servant? The same thing, which is very powerful for us because it seems in this truth, coming from this parable, it doesn't matter how much you were given, right? It's what you did with it. Same reward. Same words given. Both servants multiplied what was entrusted to them. Reminds me of the poor woman. In the temple, hey. And the rich people have hired trumpeters to go da 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 and smashing their coins in. And Jesus doesn't even notice that. He's there going, oh, check out this woman. Wow, you've grabbed my attention. She put in all that she had, a couple of coins. The amount is not the issue. It's the heart behind the service. Faithfulness as multiplication. It's hard to not argue that it's there. It's hard to argue against the fact that it's there. But it's an ill-fitting truth jacket to wear, don't you think? Is 
multiplication, what faithfulness is all about. Are we saying then that only the big churches are the faithful ones? Surely not. They're filled with all sorts of problems. Are we saying that more is always better? That cannot be the case. Can it? What, are we, what is the truth here? Faithfulness equals multiplication. But Jesus died on a cross. It didn't look like it was going to be success at all. But again, as I said before, there's this seed analogy that goes in the ground. Unless a seed dies, goes below the surface, is buried, it can't turn into what it's been called to produce. There's something profound that is going on here in this truth. And I hope we can grapple with it as a church. There are seasons we are called to that don't look successful, that don't look like they're multiplying. Yet this parable tells us, cuts all the way through like a plumb line. It says, I'm expecting faithful people multiply. What about the third servant? Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. You can just imagine that if there had been an attendant to the master, the attendant's like, that's not going to go down well. And there was an explosion. There was. The master responded quite fiercely. The problem of sin is always a problem which originates in a false understanding of who God is. Don't you think? That's what sin is. The devil comes along and tempts Eve and says, did God really say that? Can I just get you thinking that you can't trust who God is and what he's done and what he'll do for you? That's the essence. The foundation of sin is the lie that says God is holding on to something. He's not going to give you the best. You can't trust him. That's what sin is all about. The lie, the hunch that God isn't as good as he seems. The third servant's issue was that he didn't understand the master. Pick any issue in your life, what you're working through now or what you went through last year, the revelation, the learning outcome will always have something to do with who God is and what he has done for us in Jesus Christ. Don't you think? Is that what you, that's my assessment of life. If I've got something to learn, it will ultimately weave its way through a whole bunch of things that I need to learn from God. And it's going to land in, who are you, God, and what have you done for me in Christ? It hasn't changed. As much as I question, I don't know now whether that I can, where I land is, God, you were good, and you have shown your goodness to me in Christ. Hallelujah. God is good. It's the, the bedrock of our faith in Christ. His name is I Am. And if we stop trusting the God who is I Am, who just is, we're on rocky ground, on, on unstable ground. We're not standing on reality for the servant to stop believing that the master is good 
For the servant to believe the lie that the master is harsh and unfair, that's the reason everything went so bad. What does this mean for you for 2022? You can cut to the chase now. Just acknowledge what you're going to have to learn in 2022. We're all learning the same stuff. Who God is, what he's done for us in Christ, how trustworthy he actually is. Has the Lord been good to you? Have you found that some seasons of life, it is a little bit harder to say yes? And that's okay. Some seasons it's like, I know it's true, it's just a little bit harder to acknowledge. But the process of getting to that place again is what life's about. Amen? That's what life's about. Getting to the place where we stop and we reflect. And it normally doesn't have to take that long to go, no, God, you're good. You have been faithful to me. And all the time, you are good. Can I encourage us that losing sight of that truth, that he never stops being good, and he's demonstrated that once and for all in Christ, Losing sight of that good will always, of that truth will always have deeply destructive repercussions in my life and yours. That will always go the same way. If I lose sight that he is good and I can trust him, the repercussions are always bad. And that's what's happened with this third servant. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. Wait a minute, this is weird. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Wicked and lazy implies the servant's character is fractured. That's what wicked means. Fractured character. Lazy. Not willing to try. Not willing to take a risk. I find it intriguing to think about how this parable would play out in today's society. Isn't it a fair thing to say that the third servant might say, you've hurt my feelings in saying that. I don't like the process that's going on here. But that's not what happens here. There is truth that cuts all the way through. Today's society might say, you know what? What would be fair, if you were fair, master, you'd give us all five. Isn't that the truth? You'd give us all five. There are 15 bags, should be equally distributed. It's not what happens. The master takes away the one and gives the bag from the one who had not done anything with it and gives the bag to the one who was stewarded most effectively. Faithfulness and multiplication. Is it feeling a little bit challenging? Should I think it's it's a hard one to grapple with this morning, first Sunday of the year. Let me ask you the question: What are you doing with what you've got? By the grace of God. Twenty twenty two. What are you doing with what you've got? By the grace of God. Because if you don't have by the grace of God, that can be overwhelming. That statement. <clears throat> what are you doing with what you got? Give me ten more. That's not the heart of the, the Lord, is it? 
He's not like that. He's not a harsh taskmaster. That's what the third servant thought. But he does have expectations for us, and he gives us the grace to do what we've been called to do by the power of his grace. The other day I was at a prayer meeting up here in the back room, and I, did, I, <clears throat> I really wanted to pray this prayer, but I didn't get to because everyone was praying so much. It was great. It was a very energetic prayer meeting. I had this um, strong sense to pray for 2030, the decade of 2030. I don't know if Jesus is going to return before then. No one knows. But I had this sense, of, and I've been praying for it. Um, if 2030 is anything like 2020, it needs prayer. Amen. But it just was this sense that for us to be the church, God wants us to be in 2030. What type of church do we need to be in 2022? What sort of risky decisions as stewards who have been entrusted with the good news of the gospel and a couple hundred thousand dollars in the bank, debt free, in a centre like this, on the corner of Pretoria and College Crescent? building on the shoulders of 120 years. What sort of church do we need to be to be the church we want to be in the 2030s? Because there's a good chance the church will still be here. And we could be a remnant or we could be a thriving iteration. The thriving version of us will involve risk getting there. Amen? wise, God-directed risk for the kingdom. We've been entrusted with an enormous treasure of giftedness. Do you want to take a moment to look around? These are the giftedness. These are the people that God has given. There's probably two and a half times this number who are part of the church. Those online can't see each other. We have this wealth of wisdom, we have enthusiasm, we have vigour, we have riches, we have spiritual giftedness in a great diversity. There's so much that God could do and he wants to. We're called to multiply what we've been given, amen? We are not called to bury it in the ground. We cannot do that. What does faithful stewardship look like for Northern Life? in the 2020s, for the next eight years, so that we could be the church that God wants us to be in the 2030s. That's something to get our head around, heart around, isn't it? Get our teeth stuck into. Seasons of church life don't normally go for one month, three months. They go for five years, seven years. You've got to stick with it. And suddenly there's a turn because the seed's been in the ground and nothing's happening, but the duck's feet are paddling. The kingdom are like duck's feet paddling. Something's going on underneath the surface. God's working. I think the more of us that get into reading our Bibles and praying and seeking God and serving and loving people in inconvenient ways, the kingdom will be more and more likely to be manifest amongst us because that's the work of the kingdom. Let me finish off really quickly with a race through 1 Peter 4, the original text that Steph read for us. 1 Peter 4.10 was, Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. That text is in the context of a few verses around it. Let me start from verse 7 and look at this. Verse 7, The end of all things is near, Peter says. 
The end of all things is near. There is a felt urgency in the way we go about ministry, no matter what century you live in. If we're going to be faithful stewards, we can't be lazy and bored and apathetic. There has to be a sense of the end of all things is near. Let's get on to it. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, Peter says. We need to be aware of what we're feeding our minds to be the church that we want to be for 2030 if the Lord wills it. What we put into our minds will affect our capacity for wholeheartedness so that you may pray, Peter says. Clear minds to pray passionately and clearly and powerfully. I think what we need to get a hold of right now is a renewed passion to pray. I think we had more of it as a church when we didn't know whether this building would be built. Sometimes it takes problems in the church or angst in the church to call us back to pray. It's a shame about that, but we're needing that as a church is my sense because the, the fervour to pray seems to be dropping off, certainly coming together. And hey, COVID's part of that, and we've got to overcome it. Above all, love each other deeply, Peter says. Multiplying faithfulness is marinated in the love of Christ. Amen. So we've got renewed minds, praying fervently with loving hearts because love covers over a multitude of sins. Isn't that a wonderful verse hidden in there? We need to be a church that expresses the love of Christ which covers a multitude of sins. And that love draws sinners to the Saviour. Verse 9, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Doesn't that just cut to the chase? A loving, thriving, multiplying kingdom church is hospitable. Sharing meals together. You do life together. Hey, come over. Hospitable without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others. Our Lord was a suffering servant. We're called to serve. We're called to serve. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Apparently, this kingdom is going to have a rich, diverse tapestry of giftedness. Diverse forms of grace. If anyone speaks, Peter writes, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. I'm reminded that this kingdom will advance with the proclamation, the vocalised truth of the gospel. Not just in action. Last year's focus was love in action, but love in action with the words of the gospel. Peter says, don't forget to speak the very words of God, that there is a way to know God through Jesus Christ and the gospel. Proclaim it. Let's proclaim it. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. His grace is enough. All of these challenges, it's not that we do it in our own strength through striving, but we sit in his grace and we expect that multiplication will come as we are faithful stewards. So that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. I'm feeling that Peter is saying a faithful multiplying church is a wholehearted worshipping church. Amen. Isn't that a great line? To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. 
That is the church we want to be. Worshipping Jesus Christ who is worthy of it all and even much more. And his parable ends strangely. Lots of people when they preach on this or Bible studies look at it, they leave out verse 30. It's too, it's too weird. It's too odd. The master says, throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. As hard to understand as this is, what it's communicating to us is that the business of the gospel, the calling we have to represent God in this world is a calling of consequence. It's a calling of consequence. The stakes are high. Without obedience, there is darkness and loss. Yet his grace is enough, more than enough. So this is an exponential kingdom, isn't it? That we're part of. Arnold. Arnold's not a very nice idea, is it? How quickly a virus spreads disease. Maybe we could think of the Arnold we're wondering about is the revival indicator. How virally charged are you with the good news of the gospel? As I look around, what's the Arnold above your head that the people that Lindsay is going to affect with the good news of the gospel on his life and the calling that's on his life. How have you been called this year to represent Christ, to be virally infected, infectious with the good news? Because that's how the, the gospel spreads, one to one, exponentially, by God's grace. How is God calling you to multiply his gifts to you for the glory of Christ and the extension of his kingdom? I wrote this message about 10 days ago and it's been just bouncing, <laughs> bouncing around in my head and my heart. It does something to you, this idea. I want to be faithful, which means I need to multiply I mean, need to pray that I would multiply. And that's not just financially. It's just how can you multiply what's in you? If you've found a way out of a dark place, how many people could you help out of a dark place? That's multiplication. May we be exponential for his kingdom. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. Lord, that is our prayer that um, you, you would take us a motley crew. And that's the way it's meant to be. Jars of clay, fallible, broken, sinful people. Yet we are saints in Christ. And you have entrusted these jars of clay with the most precious of gifts, the mystery of the gospel. And you've given us all sorts of resources and spiritual empowerment to achieve what you've called us to do. We are looking forward to it. We are speaking it out in faith that we will become the church you have called us to be. And it's all for your glory, Lord Jesus. Lord, I thank you that we have the shield of faith with 
which we can extinguish all the fiery arrows of the evil one. We want to speak out today that we belong to the King of kings and the Lord of lords who has defeated the devil once and for all. The greater is he that is within us than he that is in the world. And whatever plan the evil one might have for us as a church, we stand against that in the name of Jesus and declare the power of the risen Christ over this church, over our lives, over the future of this local church. May it be all for the glory of Jesus. Amen and amen.